Hello, friends, and welcome. This is episode 79 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Axe. It is great to have you here. If you found us through the link on Syracuse.com or maybe on social media, both are appreciated. Any way you get here is a great way to get here, but here's the easiest way. Hit that subscribe button. Go on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Syracuse Sports Podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. And that way, when a new episode is up and ready for you, you can listen when you want on demand. Excited about our guest today. He's a Syracuse legend, one of the best sports broadcasters in the country with NBC Sports now, the great Mike Tirico. He's in a unique position calling Syracuse Notre Dame football Saturday in South Bend as the voice of Notre Dame football on the Notre Dame network, if you will, NBC, but also a Syracuse alum. So as I told Mike during our conversation, He basically can't win during this one. He should probably stay off Twitter during that game. But Mike explains his process how, even though Notre Dame football is on NBC, they treat it like any other broadcast. We talk Syracuse football, their future, whether Notre Dame will consider joining the ACC permanently, a little Springsteen, and Mike gets a little Syracuse hoops talk in there as well. So we're looking forward to that conversation with Mike. It's coming up here shortly. But speaking of Syracuse basketball, hmm... Jim Beheim's going to have a pretty interesting decision on his hands going forward here. While Quincy Garrier was the standout statistical star of Syracuse's win on Thursday night over Greg Paulus and the Niagara Purple Eagles with 23 points and 13 rebounds, and it's certainly great to see his development as a player, Kadari Richmond had quite a debut for Syracuse, stuffing the stat sheet with 16 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, Four steals, three blocks. Hey, get at it, kid. Kadari Richmond was put on the court because Buddy Beheim could not play. Buddy did not test positive for COVID-19, but due to a positive test in the program, had to sit out due to contact tracing. Kadari Richmond's going to get a couple more games here to strut his stuff as Buddy will have to sit out Saturday against Ryder and then Tuesday night against Rutgers as well. Kadari made an instant impact on the court. He's bigger in the zone. He is an offensive presence that will drive to the lane. We mentioned the defensive stats, the rebounding stats. Jim Beheim has been effusive in his praise of Kadari Richmond. He does not talk up freshmen the way that he talked up Kadari in interviews prior to the season starting. There's obviously talent there. They're short on bodies in the backcourt at Syracuse, so this is going to be interesting to see how Kadari works his way into the rotation. Jim Beheim is pretty loyal to the players he puts out there. He has been effusive in his praise of Joe Girard as well. Girard's a warrior. He's a great three-point shooter. He's the best free-throw shooter on the team. That's somebody you want on the court, particularly in close, clutch situations. But Joe does struggle on the defensive end. Buddy Beheim is a ace sharpshooter, one of the best three-point shooters not only in the ACC, but really in college basketball. That's somebody you want on the court, but also has at times struggled on the defensive end. So in comes Kadari Richmond, and it's interesting how much he's going to push for playing time. Could he come off the bench in a Deion Waiters-type role for Syracuse? you got to remember, as good as Deion Waiters was, ended up being the fourth overall pick in that NBA draft that he was selected in, he never started a game at Syracuse. You can have a primary role, a starter's role, big minutes for Syracuse, even if you never start. Being in Jim Beheim's starting lineup actually isn't that big of a deal. It's who's on the court when it matters. Put aside free throw trouble and some things, injuries, of course, that can affect 
the rotation. Syracuse certainly has to have a flexible rotation right now because of COVID-19. As we found out two hours before tip-off against Niagara, that Buddy would be out and a player on the team had tested positive for COVID-19. As it turns out, it was a walk-on player. But Bayheim is going to have to have some lineup flexibility, not only because of that, but leading into that game, they had only had three practices in 20 days. If 2020 has taught us one thing, it's flexibility, right? But when things do settle down, could Ari Richmond flash the talent? I don't care who the opponent was on Thursday night, that he belongs on the court. So how will Bayheim manage this going forward is going to be fascinating to watch. If anything, it was a great recovery for Syracuse basketball, and we'll see where they go from here. As mentioned, things get pretty busy for the Orange coming up. Depending on when you're listening to this, it could be before the Notre Dame football game, it could be after the Notre Dame football game, barring an upset of epic proportions, which I don't think we're going to see, so I'm not really going to get into that. The game doesn't really matter. It's all about the offseason. It's all about the rebuild job that Dino Babers has in front of him. It's the most important rebuilding job I can remember at Syracuse football, really, since Paul Pasqualoni was head coach. Doug Marone never really had to do it. He got a Buffalo Bills head coaching gig at the end of his fourth year and never really had to go into an offseason of rebuilding. He did at the beginning, of course, of his tenure, but he knew what he was signing up for in that reign. Scott Schaefer, yeah, things were going downhill, but was fired at pretty much the right time. So rebuilding wasn't really on his resume. Dino Babers is going to be in year six next year. By all accounts, he will be back next year. John Wildhack, Syracuse's athletic director, has said as much, and everybody pretty much agrees that the injuries... 2020, COVID, all things considered that happened to this football team, Dino deserves another shot in 2021 to rebuild Syracuse football. But it puts that much pressure on Babers and his coaching staff to do it. How hard will they hit the transfer market, particularly at the most important position on the field, quarterback? Will Tommy DeVito put his name in the transfer portal as well? That's just a question. It's just speculation, but something to think about. Syracuse has to rebuild the most important position to have a good quarterback and have a good offense on the field, the offensive line. It's startling to see an offensive-minded head coach and an offensive-minded team in a lot of ways, orange is the new fast, right, is literally the worst offense in college football. As we speak, Syracuse is ranked 123rd in the country. There's a few teams behind them in the overall stats, but those teams have played a combined seven games in COVID-shortened seasons. Syracuse has played a full season, which is remarkable in and of itself, but the results are what they are. So, yeah, they get a pass for 2020, but how much more pressure does that put on Dino Babers and the Orange in 2021, particularly after they walk off the field in South Bend and the offseason starts to hit home? Speaking of that matchup, the man on the call for NBC Sports, legendary sportscaster, Syracuse alum, Mike Tirico, joins us now on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Hey, what do you say? Have a happy day, because we're living in Syracuse. So, Mike, I've kind of determined uh, this Saturday that you can't win, right? Because <laughs> you're calling the Notre Dame game. You're on NBC the home of Notre Dame football, but you're a Syracuse alum, right? So I, yeah. I think you're just kind of getting ready uh, for, for Twitter. You should just shut off Twitter for like uh, forever. It, right? it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I, I did this game two years ago when Syracuse was, you know, in the top 15, had a great season going with Dungey quarterback at Yankee Stadium, and Dungey gets hurt early on, and uh, the game's lopsided, and I, I've survived that. So I'm not really worried about that. And like the people who think that we are – 
pro Notre Dame because we carry the Notre Dame home games. Don't watch the games. I mean, we are the network of the Olympics. We are the networks of network of Sunday night football. We're not a home team network. As a matter of fact, Notre Dame fans, at times they get frustrated or disappointed that we're not pro Notre Dame right, in the yeah. broadcast. So, um, you know, I, I've done this for, gosh, my first, my first football game that I called was in 1985 at Virginia Tech when Syracuse played. So this is my 36th year of calling football in some way, shape, or form, or four 36 years. Really called it for like 30 of those 36 years. I'm not worried that my credibility is going to take a shot um, with what happens. You'd be honest about what's happening in the game. And Syracuse has not had a good season. Notre Dame's had an exceptional season. Um, you know, Syracuse fans think that saying good things about Notre Dame within this broadcast um, is some way negative towards Syracuse, then you're not, you're wasting your time trying to convince those people. Otherwise, you know, I think one of the genius moves in media the past couple of years, when I think it was TNT and TBS, when they started doing the mega casts and they did like the, yeah. the Homer broadcast, like if you right. want just straight on, this is your well, presenting it, it. You have that option now. And it just shows you kind of how, how media has evolved to, to this point. Right? But, but I think the bigger point of that is they've done those broadcasts and people have, blown them up on social media saying that their announcers were homers and people couldn't and put together that that was a home there was a home broadcast and how could you do this I mean, at, at the end of the day i always like to tell people that the reason that national broadcasts work especially folks who've done, done it for a while is because you get inside information or information from both teams so you can you know matt park's awesome i love matt uh, obviously he's a friend been a friend for for a couple of decades now, Matt's going to do a great job on the Syracuse game, but Matt doesn't have the access to Notre Dame that we do or vice versa with Paul Burmeister's, the voice of the Irish in regards to Syracuse national broadcast. You have both teams who are sharing some information, some background with you. And it just lets you know exactly what's happening in the game, as opposed to a one-sided view. People like, look, you want your one side of view, you can have it. And that's all good. That's, that's part of, Part of what makes the world go around is the variety of opinions. But um, for for this game, I, for me, honestly, I know the Notre Dame team better than I know Syracuse because I've seen them every home game for the last four and a half years and really have a great sense of most of everything happening in their program because I get to see their players, their coaches, and their coordinators. Not the case with Syracuse. I get up to the campus usually once a year for a game, but obviously this year nobody has been. So I, I – even though I'm a, an alum and a trustee of the university, I've got a better sense of the football specifics with Notre Dame than I would with Syracuse going in here. You brought it up a moment ago, Mike, when you called this game two years ago, these were two top 12 teams. Obviously mm-hmm. things have gone in different directions for Syracuse, yeah. whereas Notre Dame is actually better. And as you noted, they're right in, in the thick of it here for the national championship. So sure. I feel like you're kind of a recruit with all the hats on the table here. So put your Syracuse hat on for a minute, looking okay. at where the program's at, you know, after this this game, I mean, it's already begun in a way, but th- this is going to be a major offseason for Syracuse in terms of rebuilding and, and getting Syracuse football back to really the point it was two years ago. No doubt. And I think that starts up front with an offensive line that has to keep a quarterback healthy. Uh, you know, Tommy DeVito was sacked 7-7 you know, seven, seven, and then five times in the game he got hurt. So he got sacked almost 20 times in four games. That, that can't happen, whether it's structurally with the offense, whether it's the offensive line, uh, quarterback is going to need QB one's going to need to finish a season, right? Uh, no matter who that is, if Tommy's the guy, if, uh, one of the two freshmen end up being the guy, if somebody down the line in the transfer portal, I don't know what, what Dino's going to do there, but you need to protect your quarterback. That's a fundamental tenet of football. 
And whether it's pace, tempo, spread, running the ball, whatever it is, you've got to find a way to keep that quarterback protected, healthy, and upright because there are enough players on this team to get the ball to on the outside who can make first downs and sustain offense. Um, that's part one. This season really, to me, does deserve the asterisk of uh, reasons, not excuses. I, I think the opt-outs are reasons why you don't play well. The number of injuries, significant number of injuries are reasons why you don't play well. Um, you know, there are things to credit for this team. The fact that it's going to be one of the very few teams, knock on wood, the game goes Saturday and finishes, be one of the very few teams to play 11 games this year and to get through all of them as they were scheduled. You know, there was like all this kerfluffle of the half-hour delay for the game at the Dome early on in the season. The season's gone pretty much as scripted, which is pretty much something you cannot say about every other team in college football, including Notre Dame, which had to have a Wake Forest game moved and that's been subsequently canceled by the ACC. So what does that tell me, Brent? Why do I bring that up? It tells me that the program has really good people and the coaches didn't lose the kids during a one and nine season, likely to be one and 10. So there's a real connection there. I like Tony White, the defensive coordinator. I like the things he's done. I love the way those young players are playing. It's exciting to see six freshmen be competitive out there with some balance on offense and some ability to sustain drive. They're going to be in games. They'll only get better. So they're a foundation. There's been an upgrade in the talent. The people are coming into this program, but you've got to find those other answers. If you don't, you can't win in football. And that's where I think the focus will be in this offseason and going into next year. Mike, I feel like we've used the term, it took a pandemic a lot, right, in 2020 and the changes right. that it has made and, and the adjustments people have had to do on the fly here. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame's in the ACC championship game in 2020. You know, if I had told right. you that six, seven months ago, you would have thought I was crazy. For sure. How much do you think Notre Dame will consider that being a year-in, year-out thing and staying in the ACC beyond this? Yeah, I, I don't think it'll happen outside of this year. I think they'll go back. What Notre Dame loves to do, remember, is – play a national schedule. They're one of the few schools that has the ability to do that. You have the annual games with Navy. They play USC and Stanford every year for a reason. They love to go out to California and they love to recruit out in California. So there's a presence every year, you know, Notre Dame's going to be in Northern California Thanksgiving weekend or Southern California Thanksgiving weekend. And it rotates every single year for the last two decades plus. So that plus playing that core ACC schedule on average five teams and then sprinkle it in with another game against another power somewhere, whether it's a Big Ten school or an SEC school. This year was supposed to be at Wisconsin. Notre Dame lines up with heavyweight matchups better than most teams. They play a good schedule. And what they've proven is they can compete for the national championship with this schedule. I know they played Alabama and got their doors kicked in. They played Clemson better than Alabama played them in the playoff a couple of years ago. Uh, it was a 30-3 to game lopsided in the second quarter when Notre Dame's best corner was out and Clemson went right after him. The rest of the game, Notre Dame played with them on defense. They wouldn't have scored offensively. That Clemson defense was amazing. And then Alabama got beat even worse. So we see Notre Dame can play on that level. I've watched Notre Dame Georgia the last couple of years. They belong on the field with Georgia. And you watch Notre Dame Clemson and you saw a Notre Dame team that played really well and could match athlete for athlete. So they can play and don't have to be in a league. And they love their independence and retain it. Now, down the line, will they look at that? Will the ACC try to entice Notre Dame to come in for football in addition to everything else? 
perhaps um, they'll knock on those doors. But I don't think that's an immediate thing we're going to see change just because Notre Dame got in. If anything, Notre Dame getting in the league this year, likely going undefeated and getting to the ACC championship game tells you they don't need a league because <laughs> what does it prove it, you know? Mike, another one of those, if I had told you this six, seven months ago, maybe you look at me funny kind of things. Steelers Ravens on a Wednesday afternoon on NBC at 345 in the afternoon. Go from Thursday to Sunday to Tuesday to Wednesday, just kind of showing that flexibility you've got to have. But I want to look at it from your perspective as a broadcaster and what you kind of had to go through in that scenario where you're just kind of like waiting for the call to show up and call the game. So like we said, it was supposed to be on a Thursday and ends up on a Wednesday. What was that process like for you? Just, just kind of waiting to see if and when that game was going to be played. Well, we got to Pittsburgh on Tuesday and went to Steelers practice, did some meetings. And then Wednesday we're meeting with Lamar Jackson, who subsequent to our conversation, but maybe some 18 or 24 hours found out that he had tested positive. Uh, We're talking to Lamar and we find out midday Wednesday that the game's been canceled during our interview with him via Zoom. So uh, I texted my wife, like, how how big a turkey did you buy? Because I'm (laughs) going to drive back home for Thanksgiving. I hope there's enough left for me. Um, I came back home at Thanksgiving and went to Green Bay for three days, did the Packers Bears on Sunday night, then went right to Pittsburgh, thinking we were doing a Tuesday night game and that got pushed to Wednesday afternoon. So I scrambled back here after the game Wednesday night to home in Michigan and you know, kind of do a quick 48 hours of prep before heading over to South Bend. So it's a, it's been an odd week, but it's a, it's an odd year. You know what? It's I've said to people just in our world, doing the job is twice as hard. It's half as fun because you don't have the time together with your broadcast teammates sitting with Brian Kelly. This is a week I would have gone up to Syracuse and watched the orange practice in person and spent time with some players and coaches uh, because of my connection with the school. But, uh, we don't have all of that. So it's half as fun, but I think in some ways it's 10 times more appreciated, at least on my end, that we have the chance to do this because so many people don't have the chance to go to their office, to go to work, to even have a place to work right now, whether their jobs have been furloughed or permanently replaced or eliminated, I should say. So I think we come to this, um, not complaining that I was on chart version 14 for Baltimore Pittsburgh with all the roster changes. Right. I was writing in players off their practice squad who we didn't think were going to be on their practice squad and be able to call up, write them in 20 minutes before kickoff. They'd never do that for an NFL game. But those are small things. I mean, the big thing is we're very appreciative that we get the chance to do this. And um, my hat's off, Brent, to the athletes and the administrators who've helped make this happen and make sports seasons happen as safely as known possible to this point and uh, full credit to Syracuse, you know, for a one in nine season, I mentioned the players staying together, uh, the orange football program going into Thursdays, we talked no positive tests the whole season, the whole season. Their last positive was back in the summer. That's remarkable. Um, especially when there's quote, nothing to play for in a postseason or a championship. So, Uh, That, to me, is emblematic of the sacrifice a lot of the student athletes around the country, a lot of the pro athletes around the country have made to keep sports going for them, but also as entertainment for all of us. And last thing from me, Mike, I know you've been busy as we've been discussing here, but have you found some time to digest the latest Springsteen album, Letter to You? And if so, 
Uh, give me give me the two songs on that album that uh, are are appearing more frequently in rotation right now. For you. Yeah, I, a little bit less than I normally would. Uh, football season's tough time to release an album, especially a football season like this, because now now all the media time gets taken up with so many podcasts. You, know, you try to listen to a Notre Dame podcast, an NFL podcast. There's a lot more of that than uh, than I'm used to. So I need to really dive. I do like Letter to You. There's another song I like on there. I'm trying to remember which one it is. The, the first couple of songs I like a lot, but. Uh, yeah, it's disappointing for me. I have not been able to dive in. I did watch the live release on Apple TV. That was pretty cool special. That, that, that was, was awesome. Neat. And I think I saw somewhere that Springsteen's on SNL next week. Next week, December 12th. So I am, I'm kind of fired up for that. We've got the Bills game. So I'll be in upstate New York watching Springsteen. It'll feel like old times for me. So I'll, I'll have a better answer for you on that next week and more importantly like i have made sure to try to watch the two syracuse basketball games that have been played uh and the one women's game i could watch so far i'm so psyched for tiana that she's back what an when they played at michigan last year in ann arbor i got a chance to meet her what an awesome young woman i'm so excited uh for her and for the community and for the team that she's back that's a heck of a team that q has here um and the recruiting that's happened there i'm so thrilled for that program and uh, if we get back to getting in person to go see stuff, if you're in central New York, you need to go see them play because it's a really fun brand. It's good basketball. And I, I think there's something special building there. I'm uh, kind of fired up about, about that, but I'm going to spend all that extra time where there is very little of during the fall, uh, just making sure that we're ready for basketball season. Cause if not, then you've got to turn your alumni card back in. <laughs> That's right. Mike, it's great to catch up. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Uh, we'll do it again soon, my friend. Yeah, anytime, Brent. Thank you. Happy holidays. Hope everybody uh, that way stays safe and uh, stays healthy. Tough times, but hopefully better days to come. And can't wait to get in the dome and check out the new uh, lighting, the scoreboard, the sound system, and all that stuff. And hopefully a better product on the field next year. Thanks for listening to Episode 79 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My thanks to you for listening. My thanks to Mike Tirico for joining us as well. Make sure you hop in the archives, listen to past episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Had a great conversation recently with Syracuse women's basketball head coach Quentin Hillsman. You heard Mike Tirico talking about the women's team. He's excited about them. So is Coach Q as the early part of their season is underway with expectations growing by the day. So that's why you subscribe, right? In iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts so you can listen to all episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast On Demand. I would also encourage you to seek out the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast with our friend Mike Waters. He's had some terrific guests on lately, including Dave Bing, the Orange Legend, ESPN analyst, Jay Billis as well. Some good stuff from Mike Waters there, really getting inside Syracuse basketball. So look for that and subscribe as well. My name is Brent Dax. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time.